0: Hello there Vlad here, welcome to my studio, welcome to Cat Pick Friday's episode number 10 and last week we did talk about a possible Cat Pick Friday's 10 anniversary, which is maybe a thing and it's kind of happening, I didn't like actually plan it when I was doing it last week but it is kind of happening because we have a very very special show that might mark a new era of Cat Big Fridays. Uh, Let's pretend the previous nine episodes can be called an era. We have a really fun show tonight, tonight, today, to this morning. Depends when you're listening to this. And first of all, I have to mention that I would really appreciate if you would like this video slash podcast. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already and enjoy the show. And remember that you can find this Cat Big Fridays episode both on YouTube... And on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. So whether you want to see the video version or the audio format, they are available. Kind of, well, in most places you listen or watch stuff. As I mentioned, fun show. Today we'll take a look at a new segment called... Uh, well, no. A new segment that's definitely not called The News, <laughs> but <laughs> in a similar manner. We'll talk about my first real song. We'll talk about the single I just released and response to that as well has been great. I'm super, super happy about that. We'll answer some of your questions and comments. Uh, I'll tell a story about my guitar. I had a Sterling JP, like my first experience with like a Petrucci guitar. And we'll check out in the weekend. watch. We'll talk about Russian Lord of the Rings. So that kind of stuff but the big thing today is the fact that i'm not alone we're not alone because this show uh or in this show i am joined by richard morgan
1: hello yay (laughs) yay hi everybody i'm bigger than the russian lord of the rings i had no idea
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly uh rich is joining the show uh, For this episode, but maybe for future episodes as well. We kind of want to try out and see, like, if this duo thing would work. And I don't know if he'll be in every show or in some of the shows. Or is this a one-off thing where we look at the content (laughs) like, nope. (laughs) We shall find out. But, Yeah. A lot of testing is going to happen. And I think now it's time for you, Rich, to introduce yourself. Who are you? What are you doing
1: here? Yeah, well, first off, I'm absolutely honored to be asked to take part in this milestone, this 10th episode of Capric Fridays. I think I've watched all nine of the previous ones. I enjoy them very much. Nice. I've been a big fan of your channel for quite a while, and I'm not being paid to say that, at least not much. And well, who am I? I think Catpick Studios fans, your followers, Vlad, will know me anyway because I've been on the channel two, three, maybe four times now. Uh, might- so we've done a yeah. show, like where I told you a bit about social media and how to market yourself as a YouTuber or as an artist. I did a show with you and Eirik from Living Room Gear Demos about going to Nam, and I joined you guys again actually for a show where we picked these random rigs and I ended up having to pick a, a reggae rig for myself while you guys got good genres to use. So yeah, your fans will know me from that, but other than that, for people who don't know me, my name is Rich, I am a, a fledgling YouTuber in my own right, I have a channel called Rich Words Music, hopefully Vlad is kind enough to give me a link down at the bottom if any of you are interested to see that. I do similar things to Vlad and other people that you'll know if you watch this channel. And my day job is in the music industry. So I've worked in the the musical instrument industry for over 10 years. I've worked for a company called JHS, not the pedal JHS, but the John Hornby Skews JHS in the UK. I spent six and a bit years working for Hughes & Kettner, being the face of that amp brand, and since October last year, I've been looking after the marketing for Blue Guitar and Thomas Blue and his amp one. So that's what I do, that's why I'm here, and yeah, everything I feel has been building up to this moment as guest host on Cat Pick Studios' Cappic Fridays episode 10. Oh boy, that was that
0: was a nice introduction. First of all, thank you. <laughs> Secondly, uh, yes, obviously there will be links to everything in the descriptions. <laughs> uh, plural, plural. I, that, that's a word I cannot pronounce. Yeah, multiple descriptions both on YouTube and on the podcast platforms. But wow. yeah, I like. I'm super excited to have you here because like last episode was the first one where I felt like, I mean. I can do a 35 minute monologue, but <laughs> it's kind of I, I like the idea of being able to like discuss things like it's not a discussion. It's a monologue. If I just like talk to the camera and no, no one like replies to me, like there's no reaction or anything like that. So I, I was actually like really looking forward to this episode, like see how it goes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for taking the yeah. time, and, like, I'm excited to see where it goes. And, like, you guys on YouTube, Spotify, and everything, like, leave a comment, review, anything like that, and let us know what you think of this arrangement. Personally, I'm excited. And, yeah. Should we dive into the new segment that's definitely not called The News? Let's do it. We are, Yeah. There's a new segment called Recent Happenings uh, <laughs> as of shooting this video. I don't have an intro for it yet, but I might be able to do one before this actually airs, so you get to hear the new cool intro for Recent Happenings. So, this idea for Recent Happenings actually came from you, Rich, and... You basically just sent me a link, hey, do we want to discuss this new cool guitar that was just released? And as soon as I saw the picture, I was like, yep, let's do it. Uh, want to tell us a bit about it? What is it?
1: What are we talking about here? Yeah, so this is the new Epiphone signature model for Jared James Nichols, and it's called the Gold Glory. I guess everyone watching this channel is familiar with Jared James Nichols and also with his previous Signature guitar, which was the old glory, which was a black uh, Les Paul Custom-based model with a single P90 in it, and I think a lot of people enjoyed that guitar. But people wanted to see it maybe in a slightly different color because black is super cool. But you know, black is also black, and it's kind of a thing where you might want something that looks a bit special occasionally. And so now we have the gold glory, which is a double gold version of it, which looks absolutely amazing. Also, because it's coming out this year, it has the new Epiphone headstock. So it's shaped much more similarly to a Gibson. Hopefully you can put a few images on this while I'm making the shape with my fingers, perhaps. (laughs) Um, But it has great specifications for an Epiphone as well. So an Ebony fretboard, Grover tuners. It's got a Seymour Duncan P90. It's got a 50s chunky-ish I assume neck profile it looks like amazing quality and Jared James Nichols is an amazing player as well he's a great guitarist and a really really good singer as I recently discovered you can already see a few videos of him playing this guitar and a bunch of him playing the old glory the black version and I think it's going to retail at $699 which for Epiphone is kind of high but if you compare that to the specs that you would get from, like, an entry-level Gibson or from competitors, I think this is going to be a pretty amazing guitar. And I'm pretty much looking forward to going to play one whenever the music stores in Germany open again. Yeah, like, I don't know I don't why,
0: like, when you sent me the link for, for a second, like, I didn't think about, like, Jared uh, James Nichols for whatever reason. I was like, ah, what's the Schechter guy? Nick, for whatever reason, like, my brain thought Nick Johnston, like, and I uh, thought yes. didn't he just release a guitar already? <laughs> but yeah, like uh, I found out about Jared uh, through Fretted Americana, which seems to like uplift all the guitar players that go there. Like Phil X, for example. Like I think he basically got into a bunch of it thanks to that show. And yeah, same with Jared. Like I don't know. That's just a really, really cool looking guitar. I know you have like a thing for like single
1: pickup guitars. So it seems, least like, basically... Yeah, recently, for sure, I've been playing quite, quite a few of them. And this one would be an amazing one to check out against the others, you know? True. There's just some, there's something kind of magical about having one P90 and one volume control and one tone. And before I started playing those guitars, I always thought I would miss so much, you know, by not having a neck pickup and just having a P90. But it's such a versatile setup. And it's so pure and simple. You literally plug it in and off you go. And with the P90 and the two controls, you can get so many different sounds. And yeah, I think with the quality of this guitar, it's it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And I think, yeah, for the price that it is, a few other companies will be starting to worry about what they could put into that price range with a similar sort of a setup. Epiphone's killing it recently. Yeah, so it seems
0: like... I mean, that's probably, like, double the price that you would maybe expect from Epiphone. Like, when we talk about mm. Epiphone, I think, like, $350, maybe, like, $400. Uh, in Finland, it's a bit more, like, maybe three 400 euros. So it's a bit more. But, I, I mean, like, that feels and looks like a pro-level instrument, on, on the paper, at least. And, yeah, I think we have a local Epiphone dealer here as well, like, if they happen to get any, I need to get my hands on that and I like, just try it out. Like I have to admit I don't think I've played a single just like single P ninety guitar and I kinda of want to dive into that. It's so weird and different
1: and Yeah. I don't know. It just looks so good that I want to play it. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, try it if you can. Yeah, and I'll yeah. be doing exactly the same. There's a local dealer near me and they might be opening again soon, and if they get one of these, I'm going straight down there to, to check it out. Yeah. Uh The one thing I'm noticing on, on this photo is, like,
0: I think the last, like, thread, like, it has the block inlays. There's one of the first thread, third, fifth, uh, seventh, ninth, twelfth, is that 15? And then it kind of stops. I don't know. Yeah. If, uh, is, is that, like, his own thing, or is Or am I forgetting how the block inlays are working on Les Paul's traditionally? No,
1: I'm pretty sure that's his thing. Yeah. Maybe that's a thing that also was a feature on the original 55 Les Paul Ah. Customs. I'm not sure about that, but I'm pretty sure that the old Glory, the black version, had that as well. That's personally, for me, something I don't like that much, but I never get up past the 10th fret anyway, so I don't (laughs) need to see the fret markers up there. So it's not an issue. yeah Yeah, the other thing about it that i like is it's a signature model but if you just look at the guitar it's not obvious that it's a signature model i don't really like it if a signature model has like a logo on the guitar or if you have like a massive signature on the headstock this just has like a discrete uh jjn signature on the back of the headstock and that's it so it's that's super cool and um the original model the the black old glory had a black plate just underneath the bridge that said blues power on it which is his his brand his logo if you will and that i think was a turn off for a few people and that is not on the new one so that's another cool thing i think that the the little black blues power thing comes in the case but it's not on the guitar so you can buy it and choose if you put it on or not which i think is a good option
0: yeah i'm just zooming in on the picture and it actually does say blues power on the like truss rod cover but i think that's oh, a really nice, yeah it's a nice little touch
1: i think if I would put it anywhere, that would be the place. For oh, those, there you go. See, I I yeah. just looked at the website and I hadn't even noticed that. So that's so discreet that no one's gonna yeah. be bothered by it. I mean, I and, thought it said Les Paul. Yeah, and you can replace it if you want to. That's
0: a good yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, if I would ever have a signature guitar, this is how I would probably do it. Like, just so it's not like too much in your face, and like uh, with some of the signature guitars, as you mentioned, like. I hate the fact that if you would ever play it live, it would like scream, This is a signature guitar by thi- by this and this. And uh, growing up in like 2000s, so there was like a huge heavy metal craze and Alex Eliho from Children of Bodom, I don't it's probably not your music, but like a <laughs> but like not a really like, <laughs> Yeah. Like a metal guy who sadly passed away a few months ago. Uh, yeah. yeah. He had this kind of ESP V shape type of thing like and like everybody was playing it. Guys at church bands were playing those and like it was (laughs) like it screamed like Alexis music and stuff like that. And this is more what's the word? Discreet. It's just like
1: nice looking guitar. And yeah. I wanna try it out when it comes out. I remember as well, like maybe 10, 15 years ago, um, Opeth's main guy, Mikael Ackerfeld, I think his name is, he had a signature PRS SE model, I think Mm. it was, and that had an Opeth logo right on the middle of the body, and it was quite big, and it was a really, really good guitar, but I think a lot of people will have looked at it and said, if I play that guitar, I'm instantly linking myself to this Opeth thing, and that might be cool for big Opeth fans, but for other people who just dig the guitar, it would put them off possibly just having this person's logo splashed across the body, you know?
0: I've actually played that guitar. Yes, now that you mentioned it, like, I've I played that guitar maybe, I want to say, 10 years ago. and uh, tried it at a local store. I love the guitar itself. like It was good quality, it sounded great. like was really comfortable for me to play, but that logo was like a no-go for me. Yeah. So, yeah. Beautiful guitar. We'll check out some more. (laughs) I'm forgetting the name of our segment already.
1: (laughs) Recent happenings.
0: Yes, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of guitars and creating songs with them, let's jump to Vlad Files and I'll share a story about my first, not my first song, but my first real song, I would say. Let's jump to that next. So, a few episodes ago we talked about my first song, which was technically not a song but more of a collection of samples on this app called EJ. Uh Rich, have you ever used EJ when you were young? No. Nope. 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 It I pa- have no idea what it even is. <laughs> yeah. Basically it was like the sam basic a collection of samples that you could kind of stitch into a song, a very Euro dance themed i would say or at least the ones we uh not so legally downloaded were those versions (laughs) i think there was like some sort of hip-hop stuff and and you know but yeah Uh, that was my first song song but like a first real song that i wrote and released myself uh, was an instrumental song called new dawn and it came out in 2015 early 2015 and it was really closely tied to my first uh, self-made guitar. I, I, people who have watched the channel for a long time know that I've built a couple of guitars, the third in the making right now, a jazz master that it is. And I started with the Telecaster because it's uh, probably one of the easiest guitars to build just because of the body shape and stuff like that. And yeah. I kind of wanted to celebrate, if you will, the release of that. Not the release, but like the completion of that guitar and just decided to write a song like i had wanted to write and release a song for many many years at that point but i just kind of never got over the hump and i decided to go with something like super simple that uh, there's this uh descending kind of guitar riff pattern like g chords and like country chords and poppish stuff happening and yeah It ended up being my first song, and like I remember the recording process. I think I did some sort of demo first. This was like, I think I started writing it in 2014 already. And I remember uh, doing like a very rough demo with like crappy, crappy MIDI drums. I didn't know about (laughs) Easy Drummer or anything like that at the time. So I think I used Guitar Pro to write the drum, like demo drums and then I exported like a <laughs> MIDI, not not even a MIDI file, I just exported like an audio file of those drums from Guitar Pro, and then threw them into Logic, and recorded rough guitar tracks and stuff like that for it. And I actually had a couple of friends play on that, so there's a real drummer on those on that track, and there's a real okay. bass player as well. And yeah, uh, we basically went to a local studio that's actually like we helped to renovate and kind of have access to that not that good of a place but you can record real drums there so that was a big thing recorded drums and bass there to that demo track and then i went home with that demo track and over the next weeks I've tracked hundreds upon hundreds of takes <laughs> of guitar <laughs> to make that sound happen. Like, I didn't know anything about production. I think it has like probably like 20 or 30 like rhythm guitar tracks that are just stacked up to create a big sound. It's a bit mushy. Wow. Mm-hmm. That
1: way. And I the old th- Foo Fighters trick. Sorry? The old Foo Fighters trick of just making one rhythm guitar, and then repeating it 20 times to make yeah. it sound massive. Yeah, except like my production wasn't that intentional. It was like,
0: uh, this <laughs> doesn't sound big enough. What do I do? More guitars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was doing and I was doing. Uh, I basically recorded all of the tracks in our spare bedroom. We were living in a student apartment at the time, like fourth or fifth floor. And I didn't have any sound isolation going on in that room. I think I put like a carpet underneath the amp because I knew that would reduce the Rumble on the floor a little bit so it's yeah. not as annoying to our neighbors. And marked it up with two microphones I had at the time. Uh, I think we like still have the SM58 and maybe a Sennheiser. Uh, what's like a, what's the cheap but very decent Sennheiser microphone? Oh, there.
1: is it like the 926 or something like that? Uh, so, like one of those, yeah. One of those numbers, yeah, yeah. Yes, one of those, the budget friendly version. That
0: is, marked it up and just covered it with, like, three or four, like, thick blankets. So, like, uh, the microphones wouldn't pick up any of the reflections from the room. And, yeah, that's how I recorded the whole damn thing. (laughs) like (laughs) uh, Arrangement-wise, I think there's no room to breathe in that song. But I'm still, like, we go from section to section without any kind of break and it's, like, If I would rearrange it now, it would probably be slightly longer and like there would
1: be a little bit of breaks. But overall, I think it's still a very decent song. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, for a first attempt, very impressive, you know, and also extremely brave to publish your first attempt at songwriting on YouTube where the whole world can see it, you know. It's like um, the first songs that I would have ever written as a kid actually no one is ever going to hear them apart from my family that's for sure and i do have some from teenage sort of years but that was that was before youtube time you know youtube didn't even exist back at that point and i can't ever imagine that the whole world would ever get to have access to songs that were just made in a bedroom or something like that you know but yeah to go back to your song it was it's nice that The very second I put it on, I listened to it last night for the first time. I'd not seen that video before. It reminded me me instantly of a song that I know. And it's not Coldplay. It's from an English pretty obscure band from the nineties, maybe called Dum Dums. And they had a single called Can't Get You Out Of My Thoughts. And I haven't heard that song probably in 20 years. But when I heard your song, I was like, oh, this sounds like a slowed down version of that Dum Dum song. And I had to go through Spotify and find it. And I found it. And I was like, "Yep, that's it. But you've probably never heard that song Uh, in your life.
0: No. Yeah, they
1: were like, um, they came out in the 90s in the UK. It was like a three-piece band. And... They were half boy band and half real band, I think, because they appeared in like the pop music magazines with Hanson and other kind of chart topping bands like that. But they were these three guys who played their own instruments and wrote all their own songs and did their own recordings and stuff. And actually, the main singer is now he's English, but he lives in Nashville and is doing country stuff. He's quite a well-respected singer songwriter. I think his name is Josh something or other, we'll have to, again, you'll have to link that if people want to find it out, but can't get you out of my thoughts by dum-dums is what I thought of when I heard your song. Okay, I,
0: and I, w- I want to check it out, and actually, like, when we jump to the random positive thing and talk about, the single release, like, there was also, like, a few people commenting, like, this sounds like this, this sounds like this, and I, and I had to reply, like, I've never heard those songs, but I want to check it out, <laughs> ch- check them out now, so that's what I'm doing
1: this afternoon, I think, like, just check out all of those. And, yeah, yeah well, like, that... that- Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, that's actually a really interesting topic that maybe we could talk about another time if you ever invite me back. But there have been cases recently of lawyers going to court for songwriters who have heard newer songs and say, you've copied our song. And the new songwriters, the people who have the, the current hits, are saying, I never heard your song. And yet it sounds so similar. And it's like becoming a big legal issue. There are people like... Ed Sheeran, who have been taken to court recently for copying, like, was it a Marvin Gaye song, Let's Get It On, stuff like that. Mm. People like Rick Beato have talked about this a lot. So it's really interesting. And you better hope that the dum-dums don't come for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: it's been out for six years now. So they've had their time to find me and take me down if they want to. (laughs) (laughs) So Yeah. Uh, One more thing about that song is like, uh, For me, it was a big breakthrough in a sense that um, I come, like, as a teenager, metal music had to be the biggest influence on me since, like, age of maybe 13 to 20-something, until I kind of started to, again, listen to a bunch of other stuff and, like, started joining church bands and played a folk pop band as well. So, yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, writing a song was a challenge, not because I didn't know how to put chords together, but because uh, uh, coming from like a metal background, I wanted my first song to be like technical and an impressive, like playing skill-wise. And at some point, I was like, "Damn it! I will never ever release anything if I keep like if that's my criteria for really releasing the song." And yeah, I just decided, like, "Damn it! I'm going to do like a simple pop song and go with that." And yeah, finally got it out. And that actually opened the gates or something like that. I don't know. That, that was like a breakthrough moment because after that, I ended up writing more songs and actually ended up writing a So I think the next song was actually where I sang as well. And I talked about that in the previous episode, I think, the one that I wrote for mm-hmm. my wife yeah. for our anniversary. So, yeah, it was thanks to this song that I was able to do. It like, gave me confidence that... Confidence that hey, I can actually like do this.
1: Yeah, that's you know? a great thing to do as well because I I do think that as guitar players we often we only want to showcase our best skills, especially on YouTube. So we play the fastest or hardest things that we can do. But when it comes to songwriting, people want to hear a song, you know. And you know, there are genres like metal where it's about the, but with pop songs with rock and stuff, people want melodies that are going to catch them when they're out shopping or something. They want something they can sing along to. They want something catchy. And when you're songwriting, as a guitarist, I think you often have to take a back seat to your skills. There's a place in the song where you can put your solo, but it doesn't need to be all over it. You know, make it a memorable song with a cool structure that people can enjoy, and that's a great place to start.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like it it was an eye opener for me, like yeah. I kind of admit, I think it was also an admission for myself that I actually love pop stuff. Like, <laughs> I grew up <laughs> listening to like Russian pop and like they were like melodies and there's a different like harmonic sense to them than what we probably hear in like Western pop music. A little bit of, yeah, they're like more minor chord driven, I'd say, in general. Yeah. And yeah, I kind of started channeling that into. That, I, at least i feel like i kind of channeled that a little bit into that song as well like now now looking back five six years later whatever it is like yeah good good opener and obviously i've written quite a lot of stuff since then speaking of which should we jump to the random positive thing next yeah let's do that wow, that is amazing yay wow. Yeah, The random positive thing is the release of my new single called Wish I Liked Indie Music and yes, the title <laughs> of the song is a slight nod towards Richard actually because he's a big indie music guy. First of all uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Does it sound like indie at all? Because I don't claim to be an expert
1: in this genre. Yeah, it does. It's, it's an indie song for sure. It's an indie pop song and it has some certain influences to it and of course indie yeah, as a word, indie doesn't mean that much, but indie fans think about it as being like a certain kind of sound. And it has that for me. It's an indie pop song. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I, and I wish you did like indie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, there might be slight, uh, like my impression of indie is like there's a lot of like ironic or sarcastic, uh, both lyrics and just like song titles and stuff like that. I don't know where I would get an impression, but at least some bands do that. And yeah, it might be slightly ironic title wise and yeah the response for the song has been amazing thank you everyone uh, i really appreciate it uh, it's like doing really well like both views wise and crazy amount of comments uh, some strange or spammy comments as well we'll dive into those in a bit <laughs> as well too <laughs> but yeah overall the response have been absolutely amazing and i think i start really i need to just start release more songs general like i've read a lot of songs for these videos but uh, they're kind of embedded if you will in those like gear demos or reviews or anything like that and i think i'll just start putting them out i was actually like the response got me thinking like i'll probably start releasing like mini eps where there's like for example there will be like a metal ep and there could be like an indie or pop ep and
1: stuff like that depending on what kind of stuff i'll be writing so Yeah, that's a good idea. And I think you should also listen to your fans in the comments and you should maybe write songs based on the genres that they ask for. So everybody watching this, please tell Vlad what kind of song you want him to write, and maybe he's going to do that in future, because I think that would be a really awesome challenge for you.
0: Yeah, like my fear immediately
1: is that somebody's going to say, you're going to write new metal songs
0: and oh
1: boy. Yeah, I'm sure deep down you'd love to write a new metal song. Mm. I was a new metal fan back in the day. I enjoyed it quite a lot. Me too. I'm not too. ashamed. Maybe a little bit ashamed, but not that ashamed. <laughs> yeah, I gotta admit, like, I, I loved
0: Linkin Park. I actually kind of like Limp Biscuit as well. And Papa Roach, is
1: that new metal? I think it's new metal. Yeah, Papa Roach was new metal. Yeah, I loved their yeah. first album. And I spent a lot of time learning all the riffs from that record. And a lot of it was in drop D tuning. And that was one of the introductions to me of drop D tuning. So I love that record. And yeah, they're um, a good band. They still are.
0: Yeah. And I think like that's probably one of the reasons what made the genre so popular. Like those riffs were approachable, like Metallica, good. And like they deserve their place in the history and stuff like that, but they're not uh, as approachable if you want to learn to play guitar. Like most yeah. of that stuff is insanely difficult. Like it
1: yeah, sounds yeah. Think about yeah, think about Wes Borland in yeah. Lip Biscuit. Some of the stuff he was doing. Think about even bands like Rage Against the Machine, who came before New Metal but kind of were popular again during that time. Mm. They were actually pretty pioneering when it came to the stuff that they were doing. And Tom Morello in the way that he was actually attacking his instrument with, you know, not just his hands but pulling out the jack plug and tapping the bridge for solos and always making weird sounds. Super inspirational stuff. I think yeah. the problem with new metal was maybe the wrapping and a lot of it, they took themselves so seriously that it was so easy to make fun of it, you know? Yeah. That's But that's anyway, something.
0: I liked it. Yeah,
1: me and too. And you should write a new metal song.
0: <laughs> but yeah, if you get some other uh, more, uh, I don't know, more, suggestions that are more comfortable for me to try out, I, I mean, You can type any. I I don't think I can write classical music, that's one. But otherwise, I'm open to suggestions. So anything from country to Russian pop music to new metal. Maybe I should combine
1: the three. I don't know how that would work, but that would be a groundbreaking band. You you would be the best band in that genre on the planet. It would be a (laughs) genre of one, but you would be the best. (laughs) That's my goal. But yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah but speaking of my song releases thank you again for the release Uh, I think it's time to dive into some of your questions and comments Uh, again kind of ties into the song release as well so yeah, yeah let's see what you've been commenting and asking and stuff like that next questions and comments all right, let's dive into your questions. And first one is from uh, Mariel Talent Scout. Wow, you play with such such precision. Keep it up. <laughs> Go, lad. Yeah, uh, I've been. Mean. I've never been commented that I've played with a precision. That's a new one for me.
1: Especially kind of for an indie song like this. It's not kind of the genre where I think about precision that much now if you were playing new metal for example or if you were doing like something on the baritone some chugging that's where you need precision but for indie like this i mean it was all on time you were playing to the beat it was all nice and precise but it's a nice comment i like it yes yes
0: mario also followed me on uh, instagram and sent me a message saying like hey i sent you a message on youtube something like keep it up i don't even remember like Uh, that account i'm checking on instagram as we speak i think that account had like uh okay i lost that comment not sure where it is anymore but yeah i think that account had zero followers and i was the only person they were following so Hmm.
1: there's so many of these Uh, spam
0: things now going on on youtube it's crazy
1: either it's fake or it's your mum or something like that just (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> created an account just to make her son feel happy. <laughs> but yeah, let's jump to the next comment, which
0: comes from Chris Franklin. Listens once, thinks Vlad has gone bonkers. Notices the speed <laughs> is on times two. <laughs> Listens again, much more chill. This is really good, by the way. Uh, thanks, Chris. Oh, I'm getting a second puberty thing going on with my voice. Uh, thank you, Chris. I did actually listen to it on double speed after your comment, and it did indeed. It's, it's it was like chipmunk music, as is my voice right now. So yeah, I, I actually need to start listening stuff on YouTube on double speed. It sounds so silly, and <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to agree. It's a bit more chill when you go like you start with double speed and then you slow it down to the normal speed, and suddenly it like <laughs> feels such a like such a slow song. Uh, speaking of double speed like do you ever speed
1: up videos on youtube i often watch videos on double speed but obviously never the music bits but if i'm watching like a video by someone who talks a lot and there are certain people who really enjoy the sounds of their own voices in their own videos i'll listen to those at double speed or speed and a half you know 1.5 because you know sometimes i just can't be bothered with it i think Patience is a is a thing that modern people don't have so much. And we also don't have that much time. So it's like, if I can watch someone do this twice as fast, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. And I, I suppose that people watch my videos at double speed. Cause yeah, it's quicker because I talk <laughs> a lot as well. <laughs> yeah. The other thing like
0: listening to guitar sounds on double speed just doesn't work at all. Like, I don't know. There's something about the double speed thing where I I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to practice being like a bit more patient, like focusing on one thing. Uh, sometimes I do well, most of the time not. But at least I try and like I kind of resist the whole double speed thing a little bit, but I might give yeah. it a try. Maybe like 1.25 uh, or something.
1: Yeah, that might work. I mean, the thing for me sometimes is I'm watching a video by someone and the video is or the title is about a certain thing. And I want to know about that certain thing. And you get into the video and they start saying, please subscribe. And uh, welcome to my channel where I always talk about this. And I'm like, oh, come on, get to the point. Please talk about what I want you to talk about. And instead of skipping through the video, I'll just speed it up. And then I might slow it down when I get to the relevant section.
0: Yeah. Like, OK, that, that makes a lot of sense that I can relate to. Uh, yeah. I'm going to need you for the next one. This is uh Junior Diaz, and he comments again on which I like indie music uh, song. Uh, he comments, sounds very Coheed and Cambria to me. Uh, do you know this band? I'm assuming you know the band.
1: Yeah, Coheed and Cambria is like a... They're more a progressive rock band for me, and they write pretty heavy concept records and stuff like that. Uh, I didn't hear too much of them there. Um, I could imagine if you added some quite high-pitched vocals, it might work because the the guy from Coheedon Cambria has a very like wide range and a very high-pitched voice. He's a very, very good singer. Um, I will need to Google my favorite song of theirs. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but most of their stuff, which is really good, is a lot heavier and a lot more complex than the song that you've done. They're a really, really good band. Where's my internet? I will find the song for you that I would recommend your listeners. Yeah. Um, the the singer is called Claudio Sanchez, and they're an American band, and they've been around for ages, and they have loads of albums. They're really, really good. Uh, I can't find them. Yeah, this
0: is interesting. Like I've heard the name of the band many, many times over the years. I don't know a single... At least I think I don't know a single song from them. I might be wrong. Like I didn't jump on Spotify and check them out just yet something that I'll probably do later today and like take a listen. I'm interested now.
1: Yeah, Welcome Home is the song I would recommend. That's like a very epic tune with an amazing riff, great melodies as well. But again, that's one of their songs which doesn't sound like this indie song. It's very much progressive, heavy rock, I would call it interesting.
0: But I think that's one of the cool things about like uh, getting comments on your songs like Every person has like a different reference to it. Like we all yeah. listen to a lot of music, most likely. And like you immediately associate it to something. Like, okay,
1: this sounds like this and this band or this and this artist. And yeah. yeah, it's like, I think I wrote you when I heard the song that I associated it with a couple of other much more indie bands than yeah. than Junior Diaz did, for example. So yeah, it's it's what we all hear. We all hear little bits of our own favorites and apply it to what we're listening to. Yeah. By the way,
0: I really, really like that. Like the first song you kind of associated with this song.
1: Uh, What was the name of the band? The band is called The Beths. And that is an Australian indie band fronted by a woman whose name is maybe Beth. I actually don't know what her name is. (laughs) And I've also forgotten the name of the song off the top of my head. You'll have to put a link to it. Yeah. It's uh, it's called something Stargazers, I think. I Actually, yeah. like
0: I really like the song, but I also actually, yeah. I've listened to the album, couple, like uh, the song appears on a couple of times now because, yeah, it was good. It was kind of my my type of thing. So, yeah, thanks for the recommendation. I've, yeah, there's a there's a whole lot of good indie out there that oh, you yeah. could discover at some point. Exactly. Jumping on to the next comment. Gary Hall Comments on the so, new JTC Drum and Loop Pro. You dem- your demonstration was great. Thank you very much. I had never had a looper before, so it's my first time using my looper, and it helps me out tremendously. He's referring to the video. And first of all, thank you, Gary. And I have to agree. Like I find loopers a bit uh, kind of difficult to start with. Like. There's lots to learn, and all of them seem to have a little bit different kind of user interfaces. And yeah. in the NuX one, like it has so many features because it's like it's not just a looper, but there's a drum machine, and you can kind of combine the two. And you need to remember when to double tap and which foot switch you need to double tap and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, do you have a lot of experience with looper pedals?
1: I don't. I don't have that much experience. I have started using a looper in some of the videos that I've made recently, and I'm using a TC Electronic Ditto, just the standard small one yeah. button Ditto looper. And it is a bit of a learning process when you first start with it. At first, you have to concentrate on getting the timing right. You know, you really have to be on the one to make sure that the loop actually is smooth and goes round from A to B yeah. nicely each time. <laughs> um, and because the ditto is a one button looper it's like the same button is used to start and to stop and also to activate recording new stuff and also to delete the last thing you just did and also to redo the last thing you just did and also to delete the whole loop and it is like push the button down for two seconds while you're playing the song to do this and it it is quite complicated so yeah I watch quite a few videos learning how to use loopers. And I've watched yours recently as well, this one, because I'm looking for a slightly more kind of specced out looper that maybe has drums and that has the opportunity to record loops as well. Because yeah. the ditto, you just have one loop. And I think with the NuX, you have like a massive amount of memory, right?
0: Yeah, it does. Like, And I think you, you can... There was like... uh Ability to even like, I think you could upload something there as well. I think that you could loop then and then play all of it, unless I'm forgetting something. So, like, you could, oh, no, you're right. I, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you could like yeah. upload a file or like a backing track into it as well, and then you could loop that. Unless I'm pretty sure it could do that as well. So, it, it does like everything. And as the video yeah. title says, you can become a one man band. Obviously, if you're pet teresario, you can do that anyway. But <laughs> most yep. of us can't do that. So, yeah. It's a cool pedal, but I completely understand that it can feel, like, super overwhelming. And I think before shooting that video, I actually had to prepare quite a lot. I think I had, like, several practice runs of, like, how to even do the loop I do in the video. Because, like, at some point, like, I do home. I first record a couple of tracks. And then I think I'll just jam. Then I... I remember, like maybe inserting some sort of drum fills as well, because you could like du- I think if you double tap the drummer part instead of it like stopping the drums, it actually does like a drum fill as well. And yeah, it's a cool pedal, really cool and actually pretty budget friendly as well. For those who are interested, yeah, check out of- yeah. For those who are interested, there's links in the description to that video if you want to check it out.
1: Yep, yeah, I would heartily recommend it loopers are a pretty awesome thing if you're stuck at home as we all are during this exactly current global pandemic and it's like if you want to play in time or even if you just want to come up with ideas well for me personally it's a really useful way of doing that so yeah i would always recommend a looper
0: they are, they're freaking annoying in the sense that they reveal all the time issues you have
1: in your playing oh yeah tell me about it yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. but if you work at it a little bit then it's Super, super rewarding, and a great songwriting tool yeah. as well, actually.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh,
0: I think I'm going to skip one of these comments. And yeah, let's go to the controversial one, shall we? Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't even try to pronounce this name. Shall not be infringed something, 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 commented on a video titled uh, Why do you play seven-string guitars? Should I get one? And this is a discussion, like a panel discussion, uh, at Houston Getney event, actually, in yeah, 2019. Wow, time flies. Yeah. 2019, they- wow, yeah, yeah, it was. Almost True. two years ago, crazy. And, yeah, he comments... There is no testosterone in this video. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who else is in the video? So, I, uh, it's you. I'm pretty sure Joss Allen is in there. Joss Allen. Uh, Isaac from Gear Gods is there. Trey, I think, is there. Trey. Is yeah. Mika Fastfinger there?
0: Might be Henning is there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I actually yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I actually like, kept discussing Jack with from toxic eternity,
0: yeah, I kept chatting with this guy for a while and like he was just coming up with stupid replies. the first reply was from me was like okay, and then he commented replying to comments as a content creator is a sign of low test insecurity shame. <laughs> <laughs> Shame. <laughs> yeah.
1: shame, yeah. Shame. I need to start yeah, using shame. Yeah. I like that one. That part I like. It. Start, yeah. Start using shame, and you guys in that video hit the gym. Do it now. <laughs> and the next time you guys all meet together, I want to see you all topless with six packs. And then perhaps that guy will enjoy the video a bit more. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's like an in, indirect confession of what he's like actually into. He just. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure his own personal insecurities and his own personal shame are playing a big role in his comments. Or he's just a a troll having a bit of fun. But who
0: knows? Yeah, I couldn't tell. Sometimes it's really difficult to tell because there are also people who are like, just pour onto other people, like, just, they they feel bad and they feel the need to like, just pour all kinds of crap on other people, so... Yeah, yeah. Really difficult to tell, to like, figure out whether he was just trolling and having fun. But that's internet for you. Like, I feel bad for people who, like, sometimes a comment like this can hit you. Like, you've had a crappy day or, like, a crappy week or something like that, and then you get stuff like this. It can be tough sometimes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, you know, when people make YouTube videos, especially when you do creative stuff, it's like you're bearing your soul, in a way, and showing things off. And when someone just comes in with, like, some stupid-ass comment that they probably didn't even think about, you know? they're just writing bitchy comments. It can really affect people. And I've, you know, I know a lot of people who do this job that you do through my work and through doing it myself. And it's like a lot of you guys, you have correct testosterone levels in your bodies, but you're very sensitive souls as well. So it's like, I totally understand that comments like that could hit you, you know? And a lot of people in the guitar world have made videos about the states of their mental health and stuff. This has taken a serious turn, this little discussion, but it, it can be a thing. No, but I think I also kind of try to be,
0: I don't know if an advocate, but, like, talk about these things because, uh, yeah, I mean, I mo- most of the time, ninety-nine like percent of the time, I can just shrug it off and move on. But, yeah, there have been a few instances, like, just timing has been really bad and, like, it affected me and I had to, like... Step away from the computer or something, not to reply. Like, like I usually end up just deleting those nowadays. But uh, yeah, there's been few where like I don't think you ever should like get into fight with those people, or like even maybe reply. But sometimes I, I'm a fragile man. Sometimes I fail <laughs> and end up. <laughs> responding to the trolls a bit too much. This one, i have just tried to get, like, see if he was actually serious or not, but...
1: Yeah. yeah. That's strange. Well, at the end of the day, more comments on your video means more people are going to see it, so yeah. you can celebrate that. Yeah, I think that one of the tricks, by the way,
0: if anyone has a channel and they get all these spam bot comments, I think a uh, few people have mentioned that one way to treat them is to reply to that spam comment and then hide the user from the channel so they comment kind of stays there and I, apparently it affects the algorithm in a positive way but no one else will see that comment especially because a lot of the like for with my song i think i got a, a five links to different sites within the first 30 minutes there so i comment okay on those and then hide the user and it still counts as a comment and drives you in the algorithm so for any of ah, your yeah. listeners mm-hmm. if you got a YouTube channel and want to drive <laughs> your engagement rate that's the way to do it don't delete those spam comments just hide the user from the channel that's how it works and yeah uh, next let's talk about guitars again <laughs> yeah. I think it's I think it's time <laughs> to talk about guitars again let's do that <laughs> As I teased already in my guitars, we're talking about a Sterling JP. I'm gonna, uh, I don't actually have the model number. I wanna say it was JP60. So Mm -hmm. I think it was one of the first uh, Sterling models of uh, John Petrucci's guitar, basically. Uh, People who have followed me for a while know that I'm a huge, huge John Petrucci fan, and he has probably influenced me the most as a guitar player and maybe even as a musician. Uh, not as a beard enthusiast, because I cannot pull it off but <laughs> <laughs> otherwise <laughs> otherwise he's been probably the biggest inspiration and at some point I just had to get his guitar and I think I had played like the Music Man versions of his guitars a few times before and loved them every single time but just didn't have the budget at the time to get one so yeah, Sterling one was pretty good it didn't have any of the fancy wiring or piezos or anything like that But, funnily enough, it did still sound very Petrucci-like. Like, Like part of his sound is definitely from the guitar. Uh, Obviously, he has the Mesa amps, and I might have had the Mesa Boogie Mark V at the time. Like, I probably need to do, like, a whole segment Mm -hmm. on my amp history. And I think I had the Mark V at the time, and maybe even a 2x12 cabinet, and I played that uh, thing in a (laughs) student apartment. (laughs) So... I yeah, bet
1: your neighbors loved you. Yes, they—they yeah.
0: they probably loved me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that guitar was like surprisingly well made. And have you ever tried those Petrucci models? Like they're one of the most comfortable guitars you could ever play. I think.
1: Yeah, I know. I've I've picked one up and held it. I think at the NAMM show, actually, but I've never really spent time playing one, and that's because. I don't even think of those guitars as being signature models, because it's become such a global, you know, widely used instrument. But at the same time, that's just never really been my thing, you know, like super strat, high output, that kind of stuff. It's just not who I was, you know. Mm. I think you
0: actually bring out a good point like that. That's one of the better signature guitars in the sense that it's his design, like it was designed for him, but I think it's actually a pretty versatile guitar like the new what are they called Majesty guitars they're a bit more Mm. flashy I think they still produce the JP one as well though so if you want to have like a very versatile super strat type that's super super comfortable to play uh, that's one option Uh, I'm guessing they still have like Sterling options available there was like when they released the guitar Sterling was like on the rise for a while then I feel they kind of back down for a few years and unless I'm mistaken they're kind of making comeback in the sense, I don't know, maybe there was production issues, something like that not sure, but yeah, I was kind of an early adopter, I had that guitar for a little while, but then because it's me, I had to sell (laughs) this for whatever reason I, like, honestly I have no idea why I was selling those guitars, I was just doing that (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah just flipping to get the next thing but yeah yeah i i would like to try the full fat music man but i would also like to try maybe a sterling Mm. version to see how good they are because they cost about what maybe a quarter or a third of the full fat music man maybe yeah let me actually check as we speak i've never had like huge amounts of interest in the patricci model but there's also the Steve Lukather model, which has been very successful, but some of the more recent signature models are actually more kind of my thing. The most kind of visually attractive to me was the St. Vincent model. I don't know if oh yeah, you're familiar theme. with that one.
0: Yeah, I am. And I've actually played the Music Man version. It's a really comfortable yeah, I, guitar.
1: Yeah, see, I picked up the Sterling one at the NAMM show and just played a few chords, which is totally the wrong place to try a guitar out, but it's like, I would want to know if it was worth spending the extra money to get the Music Man version. Yeah, uh, checking the
0: Tomman side, they have like, I didn't know this was happening with Sterling, but they have the like the Majesty version of mm-hmm. uh, Petrucci's guitar, Sterling by Music Man John Petrucci X, and those are priced at nineteen hundred euros. Nineteen hundred.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm guessing the Music Man version is like three or four K, so I guess this makes sense
1: three or four K. Okay. So that, yeah, that's, that's a lot of money. I mean, you can get here. You can get pretty much anything you want for three or four K. Yeah. Uh, then there's this Sterling by music
0: man, JP 60. That's probably the, this looks like the one I had, uh, 799. That's also more expensive than I remember paying for that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some sort of change happened. They have few guitars that are like 360 euros or so, but yeah. Yeah. Interesting do you know like i don't know seems like a hobby for them more than like an actual budget friendly version of <laughs> music band instruments
1: yeah i know what you mean it's a, it's a weird one cuz like you know 799 that's a really that's an in between sort of a price yeah. you know you're you're at low end american fenders and gibson's pretty much for that price and you're above the epiphones you're above the squires so it's like they exist in this kind of middle ground but maybe they want to have that middle ground
0: yeah could be yeah. uh they do have a lot of different bass models varying from 380 euros to 1200 euros we're still talk- talking about sterling versions and i've seen yeah. lo- those bass guitars on like a lot of channels and also just a lot of my pr- friends have played them as well over the years yeah so maybe they're like more sterling is probably more known for their basses, i'd say
1: well, yeah, I definitely think of them mostly for the Stingray. Um yeah. and it was Tim Comerford, the guy from Rage Against the Machine who first turned me on to the the Stingray sound because yeah. he's an amazing bass player. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Back to the JP guitar I had, as I mentioned, they didn't have any of the piezo stuff or like or anything like that. I have played a few of the like music Man versions and the piezo thing is really, really cool actually. Like yeah. it's just uh Especially because you can blend in the electric guitar and the piezo tone. Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of a cool own thing. And I think Petrucci actually does use it live quite a lot. But yeah. It makes sense for his band. But I also remember that being like one of the first guitars that actually was this kind of hybrid thing. I think few super expensive like custom shop PRSs might have had that. But I remember that being like, when he left Ibanez in was late nineties, early two thousands. Like mm-hmm. that was a thing like when they came out with the JP model. That piezo was like a really amazing selling point because I don't think anyone else had that at the time.
1: No, I can't remember anybody else. No. It's yeah, it's a cool thing. And for people who want that, or if you might want to play acoustic sounds for one or two songs, but you don't want to take a guitar, that'll that'll do the job. Yeah. Yeah. There's acoustasonic now as well. Though I don't know how it does the (laughs) heavy metal riffage. I would like to see John Petrucci (coughs) doing the dream theater stuff on an acoustasonic. Did you that would be a good video.
0: Did you see Ulo's video? He just basically put it through like a heavy metal amp.
1: No, I didn't (coughs) because when that guitar came out, <clears throat> there were like 50 YouTube videos on the first day <laughs> from all my favorite YouTubers. And I had to pick like two or three that I wanted to watch. And therefore, I didn't quite make it to older and some of the others. So there yeah. you go. Yeah, I'll go back and watch sometime. I,
0: I, I don't think that you missed that much. But I mean, it actually does some of the metal stuff as well. Though, for the money... You could probably get something that does metal and then get an acoustic guitar as well, but well some people might like it. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Uh last thing for the show, let's jump to the weekend watch. Uh <laughs> this was quite something, let's put it that way. Watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch video it. It's not like you have anything else to do. This week's weekend watch is um, Some... <laughs> something special Uh, I spotted an article on a Finnish news site that uh, the lost Russian version of Lord of the Rings movie has been uploaded on YouTube (laughs) and I think this came out in 1991 it only aired once and then it was lost and I'm putting this in quotes in the archives and when you watch it I think you can kind of tell why it was lost in the archives (laughs) and (laughs) I According to some of the comments on YouTube, it was actually like a theater play that was recorded. Though I'm not sure. Like There seems to be some sort of special effects going on, so maybe it's a mix of both. Not sure. But uh, I have to admit, I didn't watch the whole thing. It's just super intriguing to (laughs) see what that was. And I just kind of skimmed through it. And (laughs) first of all, uh, having watched the first 50 minutes all, all they seem to be doing is sitting around a table, eating, and then discussing. <laughs> There's very little adventure happening in it. It's kind of funny that way. Uh, even though I speak the language, I still kind of couldn't make... Or like, figure out who was who. Like, based on some people's costumes, I could. And there was at least one scene that I recognized, which was Smeagol choking his friend to become the Gollum when they find the ring. And it kind of looks it. Well, yeah, it looked really hilarious, to be honest. (laughs) Did you take a look at it?
1: Yeah, I looked at some of it. I think you gain a lot more enjoyment from it, being able to understand what they're saying. But it's like, yeah, it's um, when you look back at TV from 30 years ago, it's like, how did we ever manage without HD and 4K and all that kind of stuff? It's crazy, and I think the budget for this video is probably higher than the budget that they had for the Russian Lord of the Rings. So has to be, especially if you take into into account the inflation and everything.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just the price of our cameras and a laptop will probably surpass that. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was quite something. Like I don't expect anyone to watch the whole thing. If you do, let me know. <laughs> That'll be fun to find out, but. Give it a look it's something weird and special and yeah they were kind of like there's a lot of these things in russia and, like especially in Soviet Union where like a lot of the stuff wasn't allowed and for example one of the biggest bands in Russia like one of the most legendary bands uh kind of sounds like Beatles even though Beatles uh-huh. was not allowed uh, in Soviet Union at the time so the guys like they had, like, over 40-year-long or, like, maybe even a 50-year-long career now. And uh, I think I saw an interview from them. By the way, the band is called Time Machine in English. Mm-hmm. And uh, they basically told the story, like, some people would smuggle Beatles LPs into the Soviet Union. And they heard those LPs and they are like, okay, we need to start a band Uh they basically became the Beatles of Russia. Like, the music sounds very Beatles-like, and hats off to them. They're, they're, like, actually good. It's not like they just took the songs and made their, their own. They actually, like, wrote lots of, like, legendary hits. But it's kind of f- funny, like, the first time, like, having listened to Beatles, hearing that Time Machine band, I was like, whoa, this sounds very Beatles-like. <laughs> <laughs> but in russian <laughs> but in russian indeed and again then it didn't copy anyone but just sounds like that i don't think anyone copied the lord of the rings movie though like besides this in 1991 there wasn't any lord of the rings stuff out there even the cartoon i think was made in the 90s
1: yeah i think so yeah and the first film would have been like maybe 99 or something yeah. like that 99 over 20 40, years ago. or something yeah, it's crazy. I, I remember going with my family to the cinema to to watch it. Crazy. Did you know about it when
0: you saw the first Lord of the Rings movie?
1: Yeah, I'd I'd read the book. Ah. And actually, well, my dad, my dad uh, was he's retired now. English language sort of teacher, university professor kind of thing, and was a big Tolkien fan. And actually I got into reading Lord of the Rings because I was a huge Queen fan when I was a kid, not the leader of my country, but the band (laughs) Queen and Brian May, the guitar player was also, and is a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And I remember just a little part in this Queen book that I read that he would read Lord of the Rings once a year. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that too. So I read Lord of the Rings when I was a kid and it took me ages to get through it. And I've not read it again since, but it's a really, really good book. Yeah. See, I went um, to the... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the the three movies are amazing. Uh especially the extended cuts which are like going up to like 4 hours long pretty much per movie, but the book is amazing. Um they cut some pretty weird bits out of the books to fit into the movies and I think they did that very well and very tastefully, but it's a great book and if you like reading stuff in fantasy then if you haven't you got to read it. Yeah, I think I've made it until the, uh,
0: like the book that is, I think I made it until the middle part of Two Towers. I think, Uh, first of all, I saw the movie without having any idea what The Lord of the Rings is. So you can imagine how the movie blew my mind, like the depth of the story and like everything was just amazing. I remember going to a local movie theater with my brother and we were like, whoa, what was this? And it was a big thing like obviously we discussed it in school all the time and like it was not, like a generational thing it blew our minds and yeah i need to read the whole damn book again because i love this kind of in-depth fantasy stuff like star wars is cool and all but it doesn't have the depth this one has and yeah,
1: yeah. star wars was cowboys in space, pretty much. But But yeah, Lord of the Rings was a whole a whole universe. And I think a lot of the inspiration for the books was that Tolkien wanted to come up with a whole elvish language, you know, and that led him to build this world. So you can see that the the depths and the foundations for it were all laid way before. And it's similar to Game of Thrones today, the books, not not the TV show in that they have this massive amount of depth and just literally hundreds of characters and it's all interwoven so well. Mm. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: yeah, and the thing, like, if you get a sense that there's, like, a deep history, like, you can feel it through the Lord of the Rings movies, like, yeah. you, you can feel like this is a very well-established world where like there's a long history and this is just, like, one of the turning points in that land's history or something like that. So Yeah. Yeah. Lord yeah. of the Rings, if you haven't checked, <laughs> checked it out, now's your time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you won't regret it, I promise. And those movies hold up really well. We actually watched all three of them with my wife over the past few weeks. Like it's been a long, long time since we watched them, man. They hold up so well. And I've also yeah, the effects
1: were amazing then, and they're still pretty good now. Yeah, so.
0: that, that's the thing. Yeah. Like they may, they had just the right amount of mix of like CGI and practical effects to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think. It's time to wrap up. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you, Rich, for joining me on this Catpick Fridays episode. I think we might do it again. We'll see. We'll review our own episode and decide <laughs> Should, whether whether Catpick Studios is a ten-episode mini-series that ends here, or whether Rich will take over from now on, and I'll just watching and letting him produce the content or something in between. I don't know. (laughs) We'll pick it up. (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much for watching. Check out Rich's channel. Links below in the description or in the podcast description as well as links to a bunch of other stuff as well. Again, like, share, and subscribe. That would help a lot. And have a great weekend. We shall see you next time.